Ladies and gentlemen, we know Christmas is coming, but before Christmas, the gathering of patriots requires your attendance. Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, myself, Donald Trump Jr., Steve Bannon, Roseanne Barr. Yeah, that's right. Rob Schneider, James Lindsay, and so many more are going to be at this year's Turning Point America Fest. December 16th to 19th, 2023, Phoenix, Arizona. You are going to be there. Your presence is required. Go to AmFest.com and use promo code POSO. That's promo code POSO, AmFest.com. Secure your tickets now. Don't come crying to me when this thing is sold out like it does every single day year amfest.com promo code poso this is what happens when the fourth turning meets fifth generation warfare a commentator international social media sensation and former navy intelligence veteran this is human events with your host jack posobic deliver us from we need a president who's going to restore world peace as opposed to this outbreak of warfare under Joe Biden. We need Donald J. Trump back as our president of the United States of America. Here it is. Wow. Donald Trump we have at 46 percent. Biden, 44. Yeah, in 2019, 2020, when Trump was president, he trailed all of them. This year, he's trailed all of them in our poll. First time in more than a dozen polls, we've seen a result like this. Judge Sarah Wallace is ordering that Donald Trump's name will appear on the ballot in Colorado. Several major companies announced they pulled advertisements from X. This includes Disney, Lionsgate, and Apple, and the first domino to fall, IBM. Elon Musk has said he will be filing a thermonuclear suit against liberal hack attack dog Media Matters. Israel described the Al-Shifa hospital as the main headquarters for Hamas's terrorist activity. The U.S. is saying Al-Shifa was used as a command and control node. That implies a much smaller facility. If we see what the Iranian Axis is doing without nuclear weapons, the horrors it perpetrated uh, on that October 7th, the uh, wanton terrorism that is practicing not only in the Middle East, but in every continent around the world, including in North America and in South America. And of course, if Iran had nuclear weapons, they'd be able to use not only terrorist proxies, they'd be able to wield on you the threat of the greatest terror of them all, nuclear terrorism. Argentina elected the right-wing libertarian Javier Milei as its new president on Sunday, giving Milei, an economist and former TV pundit, a clear win with 56% of the ballot. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. Today is November 20th, 2023, Anno Domini. Got one question for you, folks. Are you ready to win? If I was going to quote George Orwell, I'd ask you this question. Are you ready for the revolution? The real revolution? Because as Orwell told us, in times of revolution, the real, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You see folks, down in Argentina, huge win for the real right. The real right. That's what we saw down there. That's an absolute victory for freedom. People are saying, oh, well, I'm not sure Millet, you know, is he, is he for, with us on this? Is he with us on that? Look, look, 
Anytime you can strike a blow against the left, you must take that as a victory, period, full stop. We are in wartime. Do you understand what that means? That means we need to have people out there saying, you know what, why don't we look at stripping Joe Biden from the ballot in every single state that we control? Why? Because it's wartime. That means, oh, but our principles, oh, but our principles. Are you willing to do what it needs to be done in order to succeed, in order to achieve victory? Ron DeSantis runs the entire state of Florida. Has he even considered filing a charge or filing uh, a challenge to the Biden campaign that he shouldn't be allowed on the ballot for treason, for accepting money from overseas, for bribery? Why not? File it under the 14th Amendment. And they'll say, oh, that's not fair. That's against the rules. Well, Trump didn't actually break the 14th Amendment, and yet they're filing challenges. You see, this is what happens when you have the school marm rule followers in charge. Those people don't have what it takes. They're fine in peacetime if you need, like, a contract negotiated or something like that or, you know, writing speeding tickets. This isn't the time for that. This is the time that you need the bull in the China shop. That's what you're going to get down in Argentina. And that's what we're going to get January 20th, 2025, at high noon, when Donald J. Trump raises his hand with his entire family in attendance. And you know something? Millet is going to be there. Tucker Carlson is going to be there. Bolsonaro is going to be there. Bukele is going to be there. Vox is going to be there from Spain. They're all going to be there because this is the movement to take back our freedom. And is it any surprise to us that the regime is cracking down on X, on the platform X, all the tech companies pull out the night after they meet with who? Xi Jinping. And on the very same day that the January 6th footage is released and spirals out across X. Are you paying attention yet? Draw your own conclusions, folks, because I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. We are going to win. They're going to throw everything they can against us. But in the end, they know it won't be enough. We are going to win and we're going to laugh in their crying faces. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the best ways that you can support us here at Human Events and the work that we do is subscribing to us on our Rumble channel. Make sure you're subscribed, you hit the notifications so you'll never miss a clip, you'll never miss a new live episode and we're putting them out every single day of the week. Good, I rolled with bloods and then boys had a saying. You can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trim out his eyelids, a bam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. Human Events Daily back here, Jack Posobiec, Washington, D.C. Folks, there's a lot to be nervous about out there. Open up social media, turn on the news, all you see is crime, societal decay. A lot of people just run out and buy a gun, but of course, when they buy the gun, then it just sits in your safe or your closet, wherever it is. And if there's an emergency, they're not going to be prepared to and run the risk of hurting themselves or others. There's no way around it. You need to train and train often. Unfortunately, it's time consuming to go to the range, assuming there's even one nearby, and ammo prices are currently through the roof. 
iTarget is a revolutionary new system that was invented so that you could practice anytime, anywhere in the safety and convenience of your own home. Simply download the iTarget Pro app, load the caliber-specific laser bullet into your firearm, and start training. Practice alone, compete with friends, or use it to safely train with friends and family who are new to firearms. Go to iTargetPro.com and get 10% off at checkout when you use promo code POSO. This is the safest, smartest way to train, which is why competitive shooters trust dry fire training as part of their regimen. Get yours today for this Christmas or for your friends and family. That's letter I, TargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com, promo code POSO. Very excited to bring on here our next guest because when we're talking Jan 6, Elon Musk, Twitter, Media Matters, the censorship industrial complex, there's one name that really fits at the nexus of all of those, and it's Darren Beatty from Revolver News. Darren, uh, this, this current assault on X, what do you think of my thesis that it seems like the Jan 6 footage comes out, it uh, repudiates many of the lies of the Jan 6 committee, it's spread virally on X, and at the very same time, on the very same day, actually, we see Media Matters uh, working with the tech giants to take down the platform and pull their ads. Uh, just all a coincidence, right? Yeah, that is very interesting. And certainly the fact that X would be the place, the medium for such critically important footage to distribute and to reach the masses, um, that captures the reason that X has a target on its back and has since the acquisition um, that Elon so kind of surprisingly um, and successfully affected um, over a year ago. Um, but this is a continuation of a dynamic that was sort of baked into the cake. The advertisers, the advertiser boycott, it's you know, it's one of the tools that the regime has that we outlined in the now kind of infamous piece that uh, has been the subject of Ben Collins's fever dreams and conspiracy theories. Sweaty Ben, we call him Sweaty Ben around here. Indeed, indeed. Um, but yes, of course, the, the advertising model, it's, um, it's a liability precisely because it's a leverage point. And we've talked about this before. We've certainly written about this extensively at Revolver is that, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the disinformation scam, the use of this term disinformation as one of the favored censorship predicates of the regime. But there's an associated but different scam that goes under the rubric of brand safety. And that is this ridiculous idea that corporations are so concerned with their brand safety and it's actually harmful to companies to have their ads appear next to politically controversial content. Of course, controversial determined by left-wing advocacy groups that have manufactured this fake problem of brand safety to begin with. In practice, what brand safety amounts to is these third-party far-left organizations like Media Matters, but there are many of them, that write up these hit pieces directed at the companies effectively to intimidate them not to not advertising. So they're creating the brand problem that can only be addressed, of course, by the effective censorship of mass advertising boycotts. 
That's the crux of the brand safety scam. It's like the mafia racket where you have to pay for the insurance against having your building burned down when really it's the mob that would burn it down in the first place. That, that is what these organizations like Media Matters do. They're creating the threat that the corporations can only escape by following the censorship protocols advanced by these third party censorship groups. That's the, the brand safety scam and it has a variety Did, um, of manifestations. Did you have much time to go into or have you looked into yet this assertion by X and some of the officials there that Media Matters actually created accounts and then curated their own feeds to and constantly refreshing, maybe even putting them through some sort of auto refresh tool on their own to actually manipulate the content in order to produce this outcome on their own, then taking that to, as you say, taking that to the advertisers and saying, look at this content. Well, of course, this content's appearing next to your ads. You put it there. Right. Well, that's an interesting dimension, and I have not taken the time to independently verify that. Certainly, these types of machinations are well within the scope of what the censorship organizations are willing to do in a different context, but the same group of scumbags. Famously, Rene DiResta was associated with a new knowledge group that literally created fake Russian bot accounts. Their, their whole thing was the danger of Russian disinformation. They created fake Russian accounts that they then had support the candidate they didn't like, and then they attacked the candidate for enjoying support from Russians. And this was a group that, you know, begged for funding in order to address the problem of Russian bot networks when in fact they were creating them. So these types of operations are well within the scope of what the censorship organizations do. I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if they um, rigged the game in that sense. But ultimately, I guess what I would say is it doesn't even matter because the whole idea of brand safety is a scam to begin with. The idea that absent these censorship pressure groups, it would be damaging to the brand of a company to appear, you know, in the same scroll or next to on the same timeline as some uh, allegedly politically objectionable con content is totally false and has no basis whatsoever. The only reason it's a threat in the first place is that these groups like Media Matters exist to intimidate and bully and threaten um, corporations that are unfortunately tend to be very um, squeamish when it comes to matters like this. Well, and I'd say, of course, when we're told this is being done in the name of anti-Semitism and I'm, you know, I'm not playing that sort of conservative cliche of, oh, look at the double standards. But on the same week that the Osama bin Laden manifesto is viewed and posted 10 million times on TikTok, nobody calls for advertiser boycotts on TikTok over anti-Semitism. But then when the January 6th footage goes viral on X, suddenly all, and which by the way, the footage that went viral, and I'm gonna be very clear about this, and I'm gonna talk about this with Raheem Kassam uh, later in the show, the footage that went viral is the most benign, vanilla, non-violent, uh, Darren, to your point, non-brand threatening footage I've ever seen in my entire life. It's possibly the most boring footage that has ever gone viral in the history of the entire 
internet. Wait a second, you say that and you, I mean, no offense to Lex Friedman, right? <laughs> no offense to Lex Friedman. Well, because of course I'm talking about human generated content, content. Not, not bot created content. <laughs> Indeed, no, you're absolutely right about that. And um, I mean, the footage, the J6 footage, just as a kind of a separate note, I mean, pretty, pretty amazing. And I'm so glad that this is now kind of reaching a critical mass. I mean, in, in terms of the genre, we've, you know, anyone who's kind of really studied this question knows what you see in the video, but to have it released in this fashion to such a mass audience and to have X as the platform for distribution there, it's really powerful. And I think people seeing this for the first time who had only been aware of the official narrative are really shocked and scandalized by the truth of, you know, what really happened in January 6th, which is so far from, you know, all of the, uh, all of the narratives that have been so studiously and assiduously cultivated with so much money, so many resources um, by the regime's immediate mouthpieces. These, you know, these clips say it all. And my understanding is there's more coming, which is great. So, you know, uh, obligatory and very deserved uh, kudos to Matt Gates, I think, for for setting things up for this to happen. No, certainly for Matt Gates, for uh, Speaker Johnson, for coming out, someone who, you know, he's faced some criticism, but uh, this is undoubtedly a fantastic and and truly, I, th I would say, courageous act as well, because I know a lot of people were fighting to prevent this footage from coming out. And there's also something and this will be the the uh, crux of the thesis coming up with Raheem and something that he and I have said all along that you do not see this crowd become violent, uh, become angry. Yes, they're marching around, they're protesting, certainly, but they are not violent until after the police threw those stun grenades, fired the non-lethal rounds into the crowd. It's only at that point does the crowd become unruly. And then you see those ugly scenes come out that, of course, are the only things that Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, the Jan 6 committee, and everyone else puts forward. Now we can see, of course, right. as, as Norm MacDonald famously told us in a tweet before, uh, before he left the mortal coil, that my my, to me, the most dangerous part of the Jan 6 insurrection was when the violent terrorists were abiding by the velvet ropes as they walked through Statuary Hall. We're discussing the Jan 6 tapes, Elon Musk. We're going to get into this new ruling on the Derek Chauvin case, the, the dark history, the dark truth about the American jury system with Darren Beatty when we come back here, Human Events Daily, as we continue. And then you talk about influencers. These are influencers, and uh, they're friends of mine. Jack Rosovic. Where's Jack? Jack. He's done a great job. All right, Jack Rosovic, back live here, Human Events Daily. And folks, I got to tell you, I'm the kind of guy who likes knowing exactly where my food comes from. And with my friends over at Moinkbox, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink runs our business from a town of 97 people in Newark, Missouri, and they're helping save our traditions, our values, and helping save rural America with every order. 
Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. You choose the meat delivered in every box. We're talking ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, and the best bacon. Look, like I tell you, when Tanya Tay gets a Moink box in, one of the shipments from them, I tell her, I'm just like, I want, I want the sausages, the ones with the cheese, I want the bacon, just fry it up right now because I can't even wait. And then, of course, she goes and eats all of my favorite parts before I can get there. I say, get out, out, it's all for me. Support American Farmers now this Christmas by signing up at moinkbox.com slash poso right now. And if you do, the Human Events audience will get free ground beef for a full year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste before a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash poso. That's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash poso. Great gift for this Christmas. You can send your friends, your family in a full year. Moinkbox subscription, moinkbox.com. Darren Beatty, wanna, I want to close the loop here a little bit on this because I think it's actually something that's been borne out, and we're going to get into it, Raheem, I keep saying, uh, in this footage, but something that he and I have said because we were walking past the Capitol literally when it happened was that this crowd, and, and you, of course, have done the Yeoman's work on Ray Epps and the timeline of his breach of the Capitol, but would you consider any of the events prior to the stun grenades and rubber bullets, rubber pellets, smoke uh, bombs, and pepper balls fired at the crowd. Was there any violence from this crowd before that happened? I don't think anyone has, you know, at least on the right, has studied Jan 6 more than you. Have you ever seen anyone in that crowd being what you would consider violent before that point? You know, it, it depends what you consider to be violent. I mean, the devil's advocate might say, well, the occasion of that initial breach on the West Perimeter, the breach that Ray Epps, by his own admission, basically orchestrated, you know, there is a officer who fell down. And, you know, it's like, depends how much you want to stretch it. But um, right. I think it's fair to say that a lot of the real kind of rough clips that the regime media has been, you know, put on auto loop were catalyzed by the behavior, unnecessary, gratuitous, um, uh, and provocative behavior on the part of the Capitol Police. So then the question becomes, because look, I, I've been at events like this, I've been at BLM protests, I've been, that turned into riots, I've been at Antifa stuff that gets very violent. The first thing I usually hear from police is them screaming or, or going up over megaphones or loudspeakers, you must disperse, you must disperse, we will use force to require you to disperse if you do not. And we're, we're playing the clip right now of one of the stun grenades going out. And you can see the crowd is being fairly docile when they're standing. They're just kind of standing around. The officers as well are standing around. Then the grenade goes out. And so my question is, uh, why do you suppose that they gave the orders to use these type of munitions and these types of tactics before any of those warnings were brought out in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if it's... Uh deliberate then i mean i think the answer is obvious it was a act of deliberate provocation for the purpose that you saw to generate propaganda for the regime you know it could have just been chaotic and the chain of command was um you know disrupted and the capitol police were rattled and just made poor decisions 
uh, could be some combination of both, but um, any way you cut it, um, this is, I think, a really important and neglected part of the story of how January 6 unfolded. And to see this footage is not only damaging to the official narrative, but I think it's particularly important and subversive now because this footage comes with the kind of implicit juxtaposition to recent demonstrations you've seen, like left-wing pro-Palestinian demonstrations, for instance, Precisely. At, at the DNC and just across the country. Um, not that we needed this additional point of comparison because we always had BLM, which is way more violent even than the Palestinian stuff. So, you know, again, this these things come out as anyone paying attention, you already know what a joke it is. You already know what a disaster it is, but people need to be reminded and not everyone's following it very closely. So it's very important from the standpoint of correcting the narrative um, for these events, like what we've seen with the footage becoming available and distributing on X and, you know, more people who didn't understand what a lie it was uh, to see the footage for themselves. It's very compelling. Darren, another story that I one saw point, that you guys put up. Quick point, one quick point. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There. Yeah. It's interesting to note, given the recent scandal with Media Matters and X, it's an interesting tie-in. David Brox, you know, the key figure behind Media Matters, um, the lawyer representing Ray Epps in Ray Epps's defamation suit against Fox, which is really kind of just implicates Tucker Carlson and myself, that lawyer works for David Brock. David Brock is essentially you know, the guy, it, 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 the, 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 David Brock is now in the same circle with Ray Epps, put it that way. And David Brock has been a Democrat henchman all the way back to the Clinton era when originally he was someone who actually broke Troopergate, the idea that uh, Bill Clinton was was hosting these these trysts in um, the governor's mansion there in Little Rock, Arkansas. David Brock did the investigative work, putting it all together, how he was using state troopers to essentially whitewash what he was doing. And the Clintons saw how good his work was, and they said, well, we need to hire a guy like this. So David Brock, this is in the 1990s, of course, or even no, like early, early 90s, late 80s, um, comes in, switches sides, and then goes to work for the Clintons. One of the first offices, by the way, of Media Matters was, of course, in the very same office space of the Center for American Progress run by John Podesta. So... Media Matters first desk was in the offices of John Podesta. Very interesting, just interesting connections <laughs> to to let everybody sort of, you know, sort of put out out there some interesting, interesting facts and details. Uh, Darren, another piece that John Podesta you guys from have the up, famous family, famous family of art collectors. Famous, famous indeed. The, uh, them and the and the Epstein collection go hand in hand. The <laughs> Revolver News piece, trial by ordeal. The Chauvin verdict and the dark, embarrassing truth of the American jury system. Well, today, just a few minutes ago, we found that the Supreme Court has denied uh, reviewing the appeal of Derek Chauvin, uh, who I think anyone with a brain who watched the trial 
it bore out that he did not murder uh, Floyd. I mean, you could certainly make an argument for uh, some minor form of manslaughter, but murder certainly not. Why is it, Darren, that this case keeps getting uh, keeps getting balked at by American jurists? Well, I think this case is really important in the chronicles of how the rule of law has given way to the um, to the necessities of political ideology, because it was such a hot case politically, unlike the um, uh, gosh, blanking Kyle Rittenhouse case, which Rittenhouse's great fortune was the scumbags that he went after that he defended himself against. Um, I think we're all white, or at least non-black. And so even though it was very politically charged, it wasn't charged in the sense of Chauvin. Whereas in Chauvin's case, it got enmeshed in the whole racial politics of the United States, all these riots, and it was basically politically impossible um, to actually operate according to the rule of law, according to the basically the Anglo tradition of how law should function. Those two things clashed very dramatically. And of course, the political side won. But when you dig into the case and dig into the jurors specifically, we do the very deep dive in this revolver.news piece, which is up on very top right now. It's remarkable just how ignorant the jurors are and how uh, flagrantly they neglect basic duties and obligations of a juror, um, you know, they're not thinking about the matter of fact, they just think, oh, he should have done better, he should have done this, what was he feeling, Did, you know, he should have felt more, you know, remorse and this or that. One of the juries, uh, the jurors was a, a Black Lives Matter sympathizer, the other two jurors who were just shockingly um, ignorant were like, single mothers in their 50s who work for you know nonprofits and stuff so um it it, it just you know it, it it invites us to consider what a jury trial really should have meant in the context of the anglo legal tradition and it used to be and even as it was passed down to the american tradition there's always some basic requirement of skin in the game for the juror there's it's not just a phrase the idea of jury of one's peers that was supposed to mean something in terms of the jurors standing in the community, the skin in the game, and how that would reflect on the capacities of judgment of the jurors. And this thing has you know, totally broken down. In another uh, jury trial that we, um, similar jury trial that we talk about, there's a recent immigrant who barely knows English who's part of the jury. Uh, so. This is why we call it the trial by ordeal, because there was a trial by ordeal that was basically, we'll drown you, and if you survive, then you're innocent. It was left up to pure chance. Here we have the pure chance of whether or not the 50-year-old single mothers from nonprofits, the BLM people, and the immigrants who don't know English. Stop buzzing in my ear about the boring people at your office. I'm trying to listen to the new human events with Jack Pozobic. 
Jack Pacific back here, Human Events Daily. The world is in flames, and Bidenomics is a complete and total disaster. But it can't and won't ruin my day. You know why? Because I start every day with hot America First cup of blackout coffee. This coffee is 100% America and 100% amazing. Blackout Coffee is committed to conservative values from sourcing the beans to the roasting process, customer support and shipping. They embody true American values and accept no compromise on taste or quality. Look, I'm running around every weekend with my kids. I'm running around with the family. I've got to do everything that we still have to break out here. High impact journalism, reviewing footage, reviewing data logs from X to see uh, to see what nefarious media matters, censorship accounts are coming out. Look, if you want to operate at that same level, same speed, and give the same gift to your friends and family this Christmas, go to blackoutcoffee.com slash POSO and use promo code POSO20 for 20% off your first order. Plus, there's a gear section with some incredible gear ideas for Christmas while you're there. Blackoutcoffee.com slash POSO. Be awake, not woke. Blackoutcoffee.com slash POSO. Promo code POSO20. And I want to play a clip from uh, myself and Raheem Kassam all the way back from the week of January 6, 2021. Is there any way the president, by, by the president of the United States, calling for a peaceful march to the Capitol, uh, where he said, cheer on the congressmen who are on our side, is there any way that people who arrived at 12.40 p.m. could have gone into the future, heard the president, understood the total opposite of what he said, teleported back to the Capitol at 12.40 p.m. and started an insurrection. It doesn't make any sense. Look, you and I were there when we heard the first flashbangs go off just after 1 o'clock, maybe around 1.11, 1.10, which coincidentally we didn't realize because we were walking. That's when the president's speech ended. We couldn't hear the president's speech as we were walking. I remember actually trying to get it up on my phone but cell phone service was blocked. We know that, of course, law enforcement did have up repeaters and towers up uh, to see what was going on. We don't know if they're using stingrays or other type of law enforcement devices to track any of those cell signals. But we do know that service was spotty at best. So here we are three years later. Uh, one of us who was a host on Real America's Voice, another one a guest. Now we have the, a bit of a role reversal. The editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam, joins us. Raheem, what were we talking about three years ago when we said that we were walking down Capitol Hill, the protest was peaceful, and then we heard the flashbangs, a.k.a. stun grenades? Yes, how the turntables have turned, as I say. Um, I... Um... <laughs> I remember, you know, we were we were kind of, I mean, casually. It was a very casual walk we were taking down from the War Room uh, to downtown DC. The roads were closed, um, and you know there was obviously a protest going on outside the Capitol, but but there wasn't there wasn't any disruption that we could see. And I remember at one point I was I was chatting with with another of our friends who was there. And there was a bang, and and I kind of ignored it. I, and I thought it was like, a, a, you know, some pallets falling over off the back of a truck or something. And you said, "Whoa, whoa, did you hear that?" And then we heard a series more of them. And then we went up to the to the rooftop of 101 Constitution Avenue and looked down onto it. And it was that point in time that these scuffles and 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 the violence uh, that you saw on January 6th really started. 
And and right after that, you know, you and I, a, a handful of others, and, and the National Pulse we published on January the 11th, the debunked timeline. Because if you remember back then, we were being asked to believe, the public was being asked to believe that Trump finished his speech. Then those same people ran down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol and stormed the building. Well, we debunked that timeline pretty quickly. Um, now, obviously, with all of the excess footage that has been released, thanks to, well, thanks to Matt Gates, quite frankly, but also credit to Speaker Mike Johnson uh, for getting it done, uh, you know, we've now seen so many more angles, so much more footage of who actually started and provoked the violence that day. And unfortunately, it was the police. There can be no doubt about that. But their police indiscriminately fired um you know, whatever you want to call it, flashbangs, non-lethal munitions into a crowd that was otherwise just just milling around, just standing around, was not making an active effort to attempt to get into the building, was not making an active effort to 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 assail any cops themselves. And the police, for whatever reason, and whoever gave the order, decided that, right, we're going to fire into this crowd. And it was at that point that you can actually understand the crowd started to push back and things spilled out from there. Right. And so this this has always been key that we talk about we we saw the crowd on the steps. And I actually remember saying to you um, that, hey, look, there's there's some people, you know, all over the Capitol. And, and of course, to be clear, they were they were and now we didn't know these were, quote unquote, restricted areas, because remember those areas where they and they'll say this over and over and over when you read about January 6th restricted areas, they're talking about the lawn. They're talking about areas that are normally completely open to the public that you see people going, I've taken my kids and we've played on that lawn. So the idea that these are restricted areas in a nominal sense is is patently absurd. And under normal circumstances, again, prior to January 6th, it was very simple to just walk up into this crowd or walk up onto those stairs. And so it was at that point we saw the protests. And keep in mind, Raheem, walk us also through the context of this all happening after an entire year, 2020, where we had seen extreme violence, extreme rioting in the streets, the burning of cities, the burning of Washington, D.C. I, I went out to Chaz in Seattle and saw the shootings there with my own eyes. And so the idea that we would not know the difference between a violent protest and a, a peaceful pro you know, violent protest, violent riot and a peaceful protest is ridiculous. Yeah, and I went. I was out the first night the BLM was rioting in DC. Um, you right. know, watching that from from the Morton's Terrace, actually. Um, watching the next morning, I, I toured around the Capitol uh, with my camera, taking pictures of all the damage. You know, across across America, there was billions of dollars of damage done. I think I think audited. They said two, uh, which is a conservative estimate. Billion dollars worth of damage um, that took place there. Uh, dozens of people lost their lives, including police officers, including journalists, lost their lives thanks to BLM riots. And then, of course, you know, I, I, I love hearing that, oh, one and a half million dollars of damage was done to the Capitol building on January 6th. Again, what they're talking about there, ladies and gentlemen, is not like pillars were torn down and, uh, you know, things were things were you know, they're talking about some broken windows and the trampled grass. And if you know anything about the way government spends money on the buildings in Washington, D.C., yep. the one and a half million dollars worth of damage is probably more like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of damage. You've got the you've got the government vigorish on top of that. Right. So. So, you know, I think it's a great point to make, by the way, is that most people, if you look at the demographics and the age of that 
audience that was on Capitol Hill that day. Most of those people understand a time, remember a time vividly where not only could you access the Capitol grounds freely. I mean, I do it all the time. I live right next door to it. But you could also just walk in and demand to see your member of Congress. You didn't have to have an appointment. You didn't have to have, you know, a special pass. You didn't have to go in a particular entrance. You literally, that was your house, and you could go in there and demand to see your representative or a member of their staff, whatever you wanted. So this idea that suddenly these areas are restricted and that, you know, imposing and impinging on those areas requires the police to fire rubber bullets at you or flashbangs at you. There is, there is one set of people that changed the rules on that day, and it wasn't the Trump supporters. It was the... It was the political establishment. It was Nancy Pelosi. It was the instructions that she gave to the sergeant at arms, to Capitol Police, um, and 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 now we've now now America. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. Americans, go out and tell your family members what you've seen in this footage and send it to them and refuse to be part of this thing that's oh we shouldn't be talking about politics around the Thanksgiving table. You must. Your nation is at stake. Well, and I've said this is probably the most boring footage to ever go viral in the history of the Internet because it's, you know, we look at this and, and it's getting lots of views and I'm glad that it is, but it's it's only because it completely refutes the narrative that we have been told ad nauseum by the January 6th committee, by Joe Biden, who essentially uh, has crafted his entire presidency around the events of January 6th. He's uh, justified the crackdowns. And, and by the way, this is his administration doing this. Crackdown on people who attended this day. Many of these people who, by the way, and, and, and we're making jokes, but we shouldn't make too light of it because some of the people that you see in this footage who were later charged then committed suicide because they learned they were facing years or potentially even decades in federal prison. And so you, as you see those people walking around, keep in mind, in the back of their head, they knew what they had done that day. They knew that they had walked around and they knew that if that had been done to anyone from the other side of the aisle, they'd be faced with a fine, a misdemeanor, and they'd be able to go home, not lock behind bars and have their life ruined. I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. Jack Posobiec back live, Human Events Daily. We're discussing the release of the new footage from the January 6th event from Congress uh, that has been released by Mike Johnson. We applaud him for doing so. Rakeem, as people watch this footage for the first time in in many cases, you know, they've seen those those certain, you know, select clips on that are put on loop over and over and over from Liz Cheney and others. But now I think that people realize that actually it was the police who opened fire that day that provoked gratuitously through their own actions this peaceful crowd. Um, it, it certainly colors, I think, recolors everything that happens afterwards. And I don't think anyone is happy that something like this happened. But let's walk through some of the ramifications of that day and how they've changed so much of the way we operate on the right. And then, of course, how the administration is operating. And, and by the way, and I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out to Owen Schroyer. The great Owen Schroyer, who is behind bars in solitary confinement right now, who didn't even go into the Capitol that day. Yeah, look, Jack, before the break, you made a great point. We can we can laugh at the ridiculousness of so much of this. There is there is so much farce 
that it's been involved in this for, for so long now, uh, not least for people like you and I who, who debunked all this stuff from the get-go. But then also, you know, you think of the Ray Epps things, his ludicrous testimony uh, where, he, you know, they came out with the text message where he said that he, you know, he organized it, he instigated it in his own words. Um, and then and then you see how he's treated versus other people. And, and, and it's easy to forget sometimes, too easy to forget the real world ramifications of, of, of what happened here, um, the, the seizure of power by the state, um, the inauguration under military occupation in Washington, D.C., uh, the the uh, approval of the election results by night at, at the Congress, the erection of those huge walls with, with barbed wire uh, fences, barbed wire on top of them uh, to stop people accessing their own Capitol building, you know, what's supposed to be the, the, the beating heart of uh, the democratic process in this country. Um, the people who died on that day, the protesters who died on that day, um, not just Ashley Babbitt, uh, the, the, the gentlemen who were exposed to the flashbang and had heart attacks as a result of it and passed away. The lie that was told uh, about the police officer having died, and it turned out that that wasn't true as well. You know, the, the January 6th was this regime's Reichstag fire. There's no other way to look at it. And they weaponized it fully. And they still continue to weaponize it, by the way, because omission, the, the inability of the mainstream media, the corporate media, to tell their audiences the truth about not just what happened that day, but the raids on people's businesses all around the country, the ruining of the ruination of people's lives, you know, forever, the, the end of people's lives forever. Uh, that omission is weaponization as well. They know that they are doing something by not telling people. And when you confront um, corporate news enjoyers with footage that has just come out, they th there is a NPC does not compute thing that washes over their face and they just cannot reconcile that the media would have lied to them so seriously about this for so long, that their politicians would have lied to them so seriously about this for so long. And... You know, I, I'm sorry for those people. They're idiots and, and they perhaps never recover from their idiocracy. But at the same time, uh, it is incumbent upon everybody who understands really what took place that day and what took place since uh, to ram it down the throats of the, the, <laughs> the let's call it the January 6th kuffar, the unbelievers, right, on a day-to-day -day basis. Because, because without putting your shoulder to the wheel on issues like this, it will keep happening. They will keep trying to get away with it. It will be psyop upon psyop upon psyop. And, you know, America has been through its well, fair and, share of those. And Raheem, you remember as well that when President Trump was arrested, when he was indicted, there were so many people who told us, don't go to New York, don't go to Manhattan, don't show up. It's going to be another. And that is the exact chilling effect that they have wanted to produce from showing this over and over the idea that there will not be look you see these these incredible scenes out of argentina the patriots in the streets in spain the spanish pro millions of people in spain easily millions of people crowding the streets in spain but when it comes to the united states suddenly everyone in the back of their head has that little thought Oh, I shouldn't go. Oh, I shouldn't be there. What if it turns into another January 6th? Well, you know what? Uh, you and I were both there at protests in New York when President Trump was indicted. We've gone to, I don't even know how many other events since then. Guess what? Just Tommy Robinson in London. Did that this one time, doesn't mean, say again? Tommy Robinson in London, you know, huge oh, one yeah, that they right. tried to discourage us from doing. It's yeah. it's been so Raheem, why is it that they've that they've pushed this chilling effect and then also what should patriots 
and really this is worldwide, what should we do going forward? We'll take a leaf out of the books of the people in Spain, take a leaf out of the you know, books of the people in Argentina. It's, 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 it's a damn shame um, that Americans especially, because so many other places in the world look to American patriots for their inspiration of things like this, were cowed. And there's no denying it. Yeah, a lot of people can put their hands up and say, well, I wasn't. All right, good for you. But a lot of other people were. You know, we weren't, like you just said. Uh, we, 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 we continue to appear at these things. We continue to go to these things. Uh, we continue to, to, to attract other people to come to these things. But there's no doubt about it that when, when, when Trump was uh, indicted for the first time, that crowd would have been in the tens of thousands um, outside that New York courthouse had January 6th not happened. And the lies perpetuated as a result of it. Um, th this is designed. It's designed as a demoralization process. Um, it's designed to make you accept that they can steal your elections from you and that you'll do nothing about it. Um, and it's designed to take away your power and say, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to bring, you know, the Florida governor into this conversation, but many of what his supporters now say is, oh, well, look, they're not going to let Trump win. They're going to steal it from him if he's the nominee anyway. Uh, better just to go somewhere else and, uh, you know, and try a different candidate at this point. And that is defeatism. That's that's capital D, small yep. E, capital F defeatism. It's DeSantis defeatism. And... I the second that they started talking like that is the second they lost me. It's the second that I realized, oh, my goodness, you're just an extension of the regime at this point, whether whether uh, by in, on purpose or by accident, they became an extension of the regime. It can't happen. I think it's exactly right. Raheem, where can people go to follow the latest from the National Pulse? It's thenationalpulse.com. Go into your app store on your phones, download the National Pulse app, and join us to support real news. We were the first to break the timeline. We've been first on a lot of other things since. Thenationalpulse.com uh, forward slash upgrade. Uh, we don't take any corporate cash. We don't do any of that. No political money, nothing. We're all reader funded. Thenationalpulse.com. The defeatism of DeSantis. I think the other acronym that I think when I'm of the Tallahassee governor is LDE. I forget what it stands for off the top of my head. Maybe someone in the comments can remind us. Folks, remember who we are. We're going to win this thing. We're going to come home January 25th, 2025. It's all going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.